Okay, tonight we're going to try to, tonight and next week we'll finish up our um, family study. And this is the, this is the uh, part that everybody loves and hates at the same time, all right? So tonight we're talking about discipline. And I'm going to give you my two cents worth on discipline, all right? I am not setting myself up as the great example for how you should discipline your kids. You know my kids. Uh, they're pretty good kids as kids go. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not like we did everything exactly right. Uh, but there is biblical discipline, most of which you guys don't want to hear. Uh, but it is what the Bible says, and so we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about it and uh, then kind of go along from there. So if I could get some help reading some verses, if you're willing to help me, that'll help my voice and it'll help the time. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Who will look up that for me? Proverbs 13, 24. Don. Proverbs chapter 20, I'm sorry, chapter 19, verse 18. Proverbs 19, 18. Miss Janet. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. Proverbs 22, 15. Darren. Uh, Proverbs, do you see a theme going here, by the way? Uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 and 14. Proverbs 23, Miss Cheryl, 13 and 14. Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 and 17. Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 and 17. Miss Deanna. Two more. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Ephesians 6, 4, Brother Devin, and Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. Who is that? Okay, Colossians 3, 21. I think that's got all of my verses covered, and uh, that'll help speed this up, all right? We're going to look at what the Bible says about uh, discipline first. Discipline meaning how to discipline your children, um, and then we'll uh, figure out how to go from that point. First, let's begin with the word prayer, and uh, then we'll kind of give an introduction and get into the scripture. Father, we ask that you would just meet with us tonight, help us to, uh, as parents, grandparents, and even as young people, to grasp uh, your view on discipline and how and why it ought to be accomplished, and we pray that you would help us then to uh, be willing to trust you and to put your word to work uh, as we uh, work together to uh, raise our families in the nurture and admonition of you. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is the, uh, what, what is the root word for discipline? Disciple. And what is the definition of disciple, Brother Dave? A follower. Now listen up. This is a key. This is very important. Uh, to figure out why we are disciplining in any stage of the game or how we're going to discipline is to remember what the goal is, what discipline is. Discipline is not punishment. Do I need to say that again? Discipline is not punishment. It is a means to accomplish following. Do you see a big difference? If we mete out discipline as punishment, the danger is that we are simply taking our frustrations out upon the object of our discipline because our goal is skewed. Do you understand? Our goal as parents, the reason we discipline is to cause our children to follow a path that God has laid out. That's the purpose of discipline. It is discipleship. So let's take discipleship for just a moment, leave our home, 
and let's bring discipline into the church, where we call it discipleship. Now, how do you approach that baby Christian in trying to get him or her to follow? Any ideas? Well, what are some things we do for that baby Christian to try to get him or her to follow? Say it again. You have to lead first. What do you say, Brother Bill? You set an example. You lead. What else? You encourage them. What, Brother Bob? You build a rapport with them. You show them a reason from Scripture. You, you kind of give them a goal as well. Now, I'll grant you that two-year-old is going to struggle with that goal. I know that. But you, you, know, you give them the goal. Hey, this is what we're after. You know, I know that I'm sitting here and I've got one of my kids in the room and he's saying, man, dad, I wish you'd have learned this before. <laughs> and I'm sure that's true in many uh, occasions of our discipline. But uh, what we sometimes struggle with as parents is that we forget that discipline is discipleship. And we bend over backward to help that baby Christian along in their Christian walk. And when we take the same concept of discipline into our homes, all of a sudden it takes on a whole different concept. And it's no wonder we so often fail at this in our homes. Because we've forgotten what the discipline is for and why it's there. Now, I'm going to give you some Bible verses. We're going to read these together. And you're going to see that God has a strong opinion on strong discipline. But I will also tell you that God is, in each of these verses, kind of showing us the, you know, this is the, um, the extent to which we should go to help our children go the right way. It doesn't mean that this is the only path to take or that this is the first thing that we should reach for. Uh, God does, though, say that his desire to make followers of his children is so strong that he will go to great lengths to cause us to follow him. And then, of course, he translates that into our homes as well. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24 says, So if you love your kids, you know what you do, Dad? You discipline your children. And it doesn't just say the word discipline there, does it, Pastor John? No, it says chasteneth. And the idea is that we are willing, there's an extent that we are willing to go to because we so desperately want our children to do right, Dads. This is where we must keep our motive correct. Our motive cannot be that we are tired of listening to them. That's not a good motive for discipline. It can't be that we've got a headache or that we're in the middle of the ball game. Those are not good reasons for discipline. Because the goal of discipline is to make followers, not to stop a particular behavior. It is to make followers. So keep that in mind. But we ought to, if we love them, be willing to do this. What does the word betimes mean? Say it out loud. A lot. It means as often as it needs to be done. 
uh, uh, honestly, you know, early on in child discipline, child rearing, uh, is when most of that takes place. It really should, if you have not figured that out already. Um, it's really not very easy uh, to, to uh, take a rod to an, an 18-year-old. It can be done. It's called caning by then, but it can be done. <laughs> you know, but uh, it's just difficult at that point. It's really something that we do very early on in life, and as we then create a desire in their heart, help God create a desire in their heart to follow, then the need for that rod becomes much less prevalent. Um, and, and I remember uh, as my kids got older, you know J.D., I mean, since he was 12, he was bigger than me. Uh, and so I remember there came a point in our relationship in which my approach was this. You may be able to beat me up, but just know that you will have to. You understand? I, I'm going to enforce what's right, and you may be able to beat me up. I'm not so stupid as to recognize that you might be able to beat me up, but know that you're not going to get out of this situation without beating me up, unless you choose to do what's right. You understand? And I, I, it's just, it's that kind of a thing, you know. It's, we've got to be willing, dads, as often as it's necessary to discipline our children. And it's not fun. It's not. If you get pleasure out of discipline, you're missing what God is teaching us about discipline. Proverbs nineteen eighteen says, <laughs> I love when God says things. Chasten thy son, while there is hope. We'll get to the hope part in just a minute. And let not thy soul despair for his crying. You know, he is going to sound like you're killing him. And uh, you cannot allow that to be the determining factor on your discipline. Remember, our goal is follow, right? Our goal is to make followers. That's the goal. And it's... And so, you know what, I know, I am well aware that it's not easy to do this, you know, uh, and, um, you know, I, I've watched some kids, it's like, I don't know, it's like you could just throw them up against a brick wall 15 times, and they still wouldn't, wouldn't be responding to it. I know, it's just tough, and, and sometimes it's like, oh, you just feel like I do nothing but discipline, and yet, uh, here's an important part of this verse, it says, to discipline your son while there is hope. Now, what does that tell me? What does that verse teach me? There's a point at which they're beyond our hope. Do you understand? There is a point at which then we have to turn them over to the Lord. And boy, I tell you, you think that your you think your discipline can be harsh? I don't know, I, had, I heard someone one time say, uh, they were, I'm not against timeouts, but this was just a comical illustration. They said, God, God teaches timeouts. I said, oh really, where does God teach timeouts? Jonah and the whale. <laughs> and I said, all right, when your timeouts look like being swallowed in the be whale's belly, in guts and, and, and belly acid for three days, and then vomited down, when your timeouts look like that, I'll say Amen. But then, no, 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 that's not a timeout. That's God spanking, you understand? I mean, that's the rod. That is not a timeout. Uh, get that one in perspective. Because when we hand our kids over to God, that's the things that we can expect. 
When, when a father finally says, I can do no more, and hands their children over to God, the next thing you find is them eating husks that the swines w- swine would have eaten. That's how God deals with the, thing, the kids. That's why it's important, dads, that we, while there is hope, step up to the plate and discipline. You say, well, I, maybe you're a single parent here. Then it's, I, I can't help this. I can't make life fair for you. Life's not fair, and then you die. I, I can't make life fair for you. Life's dealt you a tough blow, but you've got the responsibility to discipline your kids while there's hope. Because the only other alternative is to get to the hopeless point and watch as God disciplines. And that, folks, that kind of disciplining breaks your heart. How would you like to have been the father of the prodigal or the father of Jonah and watched your son disappear into the sea? I I wonder what Jonah just even looked like and smelled like when he came out of the fish's belly. Think about that one for a minute. I don't know, but I have a feeling that the prodigal was in pretty good shape at that point. You get the idea? I mean, so while there is hope, there's a, there's a poem. I hate when things come to my mind while I'm standing here in front of you. Um, see if I can remember it. Mary had a little boy. Have you ever heard that one? Whose soul was white as snow. He never went to Sunday school because Mary wouldn't go. He never heard the stories of Christ that fill the childish mind. When other children went to church, this child was left behind. And as he grew, Mary found much to her dismay that that soul, which once was white, had turned to dingy gray. Now, I'm aware that there's some doctrinal issues with that concept, all right? We start out black, all right? So anyway, you get the idea. But had turned to dingy gray. Then realizing her mistake, she tried to win him back. But when she turned around again, she found his soul was black. So Mary went back to church in Sunday school, too. She asked the preacher, isn't there a thing that we can do? The preacher tried and failed and said, we're just too far behind. Sunday school could have helped, but you would pay no mind. Wow. While there is hope, step in. Dad, your children desperately need this from you. They need it. While there is hope, be willing to step up to the plate. Proverbs 22.15 says... Two things that we learn from this verse. i got to hurry. I'm going to run out of time. Two things we can catch from this verse. One is that foolishness ought to be an expectation from our children, right? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Don't panic when your kids act like kids, right? Hello. They're kids. And foolishness is bound up in the heart of every child. I don't care if it's a preacher's kid, a deacon's kid, or if you think that your kids are somehow dropped from heaven, everybody's kids are this way, Right? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. So don't be shocked when your kids act like kids. Don't overreact to that. Having said that, discipline is the way to deal with foolishness. So when they won't respond to other ways of discipleship, getting them to be followers, the ultimate is to be willing to go to the rod, which is difficult. I am saying to you in a public forum, when it's not politically correct, you should be spanking your children when they need it. Do you understand? And I'm not going to apologize for it. That's what God says. And if you say, I don't believe in spanking, well, you don't have a problem. You can argue with me all you want. I'm nobody. I didn't die for you. You don't owe me a thing. Your argument is with God. You understand? He's the one that established spanking. So spank your kids when you need it, when they need it. 
not when you feel like it necessarily, but when they need it, you understand. So that means that you shouldn't be doing it for the wrong reasons out of your frustration, but also you shouldn't be just ignoring it because you don't feel like it. Spank them when they need it. It's not easy to do. It's tough. It's, you know, uh, find somebody who's got really good kids. Pastor Aaron and I have had this conversation before. You know, there's the, the a couple of our evangelists. We just kind of think, man, that's the way I want my kids, you know. Uh, I'll bring one of them up by name and not trying to embarrass him or anything. But Brent Savinsky, if you're ever around Brent Savinsky very much, you will see that his kids do what they're supposed to do with him there and without him there. It's a wonderful thought. And so, you know, what do you do? Well, here's Brent, you know, Pastor Andrews, I think I'm, if I'm misquoting Andrew, you can let me know. But uh, he said, you know, how do we do that? And Brent basically said, you know, if in the middle of the store they need a spanking, you've got to be willing to leave the cart, get in the car, drive home, do the disciplining, and come back and start all over with the grocery shopping. Because the discipline of your children is more important than your schedule. Do you understand why we're a mess in America? Because we have parents whose schedules run rule supreme. They rule everything that happens, and we don't take the time that is necessary to actually discipline our children and to make followers of our children. And there's a point at which there's no return. There's a no-hope point. We have a short time to do this. We need to get busy doing it. Proverbs chapter... Uh, uh, 23 verses 30. Did we do that one? Give me an amen, teenagers. Give me an amen. Oh, yeah, okay. If thou beatest him with a rod, he won't die. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I just love God's way of dealing with these kinds of things. Now, again... God's saying this is the extreme, this is the extent to which we're willing to go. And I'm going to tell you in front of your teenagers that if you wait until their teenagers try to do this, that you're already nearing the no hope. This needed to be done when they were two, three, four years of age. And it's got to be there. And you say, well, I, pastor, it's too late, I'm already past that. Then let me help you here. Here's what you do. You sit down with your kids and say, listen, I was disobedient to what the word of God taught me and I was wrong. And if you will, son, as the, as the, pro, as the uh, proverbist wrote to his son, son, give me thine heart. Son, I, I'm asking you to trust me. Let, me. let me make some decisions for you that you may not like, but we're past being able for me to take a rod and correct this problem. Now it requires your cooperation. Give me thine heart. And let's work together. Have that conversation. But early on, it's like, he's not going to die. You're not going to kill him. Well, you know, you can. When God says to beat him, God is not talking about like over the head and with a club. And it's not, that's not what God is describing. He's talking about a spanking. And there is a natural place for spankings to happen. Your grandmother knew where it was, right? I grew up with this kind of a dad. He would hand you a pocket knife when you're in trouble, and say, go cut a switch. You had to cut your own switch. And if he didn't like the switch, then you were going to get it twice over. Once for the bad switch, 
In other words, this thing needs to have a sting to it. Don't bring me some dry branch. It's not going to work. Right? That's the way my dad was. Go cut your switch. And And then bring it back to me, son, (laughs) so that I can spank you. Yikes. (laughs) Okay, my dad was cruel, wasn't he? Well, or he loved his children. Right? Because if we love our children, we chastise them betimes, often. Proverbs 29, verse 15 and 17. Oh, I love this. Now we're getting to some promises here, right? Correct thy son. Now what parent does not want these next two things? And he will give you rest and delight. You want those things? Well, then get off the couch and do your job, right? Correct your son. And there's no, by the way, beating in this verse. It's correct your son. And we're going to finish this up on a very positive note, all right? Right now we're just dealing with all the negatives that seem like they're heavy to deal with. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says... And Colossians 3.21 says roughly the same thing. Fathers, in our discipline... Our goal is to cause them to be followers. And when the result of our discipline is that they are discouraged, meaning I can do nothing to please this man. Have you ever felt that way about somebody in authority over you? I can do nothing to please them. They're failing in discipline. Or where they're provoking to anger rather than to followingship, then there's something on the father's side. This is what God says, not me. This is what God says. God says, fathers, you're doing something wrong if you're provoking them to anger. Fathers, you're doing something wrong if the end result is that they're discouraged. They ought to be encouraged to do what is right as a result of our discipline. Amen? Isn't that what the Bible's teaching here? So it's just keeping the, the goal in mind So what I want us to do now is to bring in those principles of discipleship that we know so well in our church. We know how to come alongside and be a Barnabas for some baby Christian who needs to learn some things about what it means to follow Christ. And when he, you know, doesn't make it back to church Sunday night, we're frustrated. We don't, you know, we may go home and call him. But if we do, typically the conversation sounds something like this hey, we missed you at church tonight. Is everything okay? Rather than, hey, I thought you said you got saved, you idiot. Why aren't you at church? You get the idea? And I'm afraid sometimes in our homes that that's the part that we're missing. That we are, we're, all our goal has become is to conform to an immediate behavioral change rather than a way of life change. And we're content with the behavior change. Sit down and be quiet. All we wanted was 15 minutes of peace and quiet, and we got it. But we gained nothing in the way of life change for this kid. Because our goal ceased to be discipleship. We simply wanted to 
deal with what we wanted rather than think, keeping the goal in mind. So let's go back to this, to this person who we're going to disciple. And let me give you some other ways that we might be able to make a follower. How about this? A nice biblical way. The Bible says this. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Let no corrupt communication proceed that map, but that which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearer. You know, part of what we do for this new Christian is to sit them down and talk them through a situation. Now, please, hear me out. I know, I am so sick and tired of that. Okay, I'm going to say this. Get myself in trouble. But that homeschool mom who wants to talk to their three-year-old, I'm sorry, honey, uh, what was it you wanted? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I wasn't giving you my undivided attention. That's what they're, you know, they don't say it out loud like that, but that's what they say. It's like, no, quit making the kid the adult in the room, right? The kid's not in charge. I'm well aware that we're, I'm not talking about that kind of a conversation, but I am talking about the idea that dads, we would actually sit down and have talks with our sons. You know, the talk, you all know what the talk is. I was 26 years old and two weeks from getting married, my dad finally decided to have the talk. <laughs> Too late, dad. Thanks, appreciate it. But uh, now it's just awkward. <laughs> You know, it's always awkward, but it's really awkward at that point, right? It doesn't make any sense. Be willing to have that converse, have conversations with your kids. Because our goal is to make followers of them. And if we had a baby Christian come to our church, you know what we would do? We would spend hours talking to them about what right behavior is and, and encouraging them toward those kinds of things. And a word fitly spoken does work. Do we believe it or not? Is the word of God quick and powerful and sharp in the two-edged sword or not? And if it is, then let's put the word to work. And I think sometimes we jump to, because in our mind, discipline in the home means get out the paddle. And that's not what it means. It means making followers of our children. I mean, our Baptist churches are littered with people whose kids don't come with them to church. We lost them. We lost them. We may have gotten the rod out often, but we failed to make followers of them. And I don't know about you, but I'm not content with my kids not being in heaven with me. I'm not content with that. I want my kids to be followers. And so... You know, we, we use words. Um, sometimes or we use prayer, right? I mean, we've got this new Christian in our, in our midst. And uh, wow, we, in fact, we literally will hunt that Christian down and say, what can I pray for you about this week? We want them to see how important prayer is and the power of prayer and et cetera, et cetera. And how can I pray for you? What can I do to help you out here in this aspect? And, and we're ready to go. Hello. So now our kid's eight. They understand the gospel. They, you know, do they still understand the rod? Yes. Is the rod always necessary? No. Wow. 
what an incredible thought that we would actually just spend some time praying with them, praying for them. That we would make prayer. We do that for baby Christians all of the time because our goal is to get the baby Christian to be a stronger follower of Christ. Why do not we do the same thing for our children? Isn't our goal the same? To make stronger followers of Christ out of our children? So prayer ought to be huge in our discipline of our children. You know what we do for the baby Christian in church? Baby Christian, they come in. From the moment they come in unsaved, we start loving on them. And we love them to the Savior. And we love them in spite of the fact that they still don't look like we want them to look, and they still do things that we wish that they didn't do, and they still do things that are an embarrassment to the Savior and to the church. And, you know, but we love on them, and we just keep loving on them. And yet, sometimes, we're so impatient with our children. We are so patient with that baby Christian, just again and again, we just keep going back and, and loving on them and praying for them and encouraging them and doing all of these things. And our children, we just draw a line. I'm done. We're, we're finished. I mean, to the extent that parents literally say to their kids, we make of our children prodigals. You know, the prodigal son actually said, Dad, I want to leave. Many times, we make of our children prodigals. Get out! Now, I'm not saying that there's not a point you got to do that. All right? I'm well aware that there's a point where you got to kick them out of the nest and make them grow up. I'm not talking about that. But I think sometimes we're less patient with our children than we are with the guy who's been coming to church the last six months and still hasn't taken the step toward baptism. But we're still loving on him and encouraging him and helping him to grow in his faith, etc., etc., because we want to make a follower of them. Treat your kids that way. Make followers of them. The last thing I'll give you and we'll be done is this. Sometimes, and I'm going to go to Luke chapter 15 now, that prodigal that I was telling you about. Sometimes you have to get out of the way. I have watched moms and dads over the years. I've worked with teenagers for 30 years plus. I'm 55. Okay, 37 years I have been working with teenagers. Since I was 17, I was a youth pastor. And um, so I've watched so many times in which parents keep their children from feeling the sting of their bad decisions rather than being to love our kids enough to like the prodigal. Can you imagine what it was like for the prodigal father? He knew what was out there. He knew how cold and harsh the world really is. And he could have drawn that kid. No, no, don't, you can't go, son. He could have. The hardest disciplinary step that father ever took was to get out of the way. And let God do what he couldn't do. And sometimes our kids reach those points, right? And it's not easy to just simply let God work and quit protecting our children from the consequences of their bad choices. Sometimes that's the way to do it. You gotta, have, you ever, have you ever watched that dad who 
said to his little kid, don't go over there. You're going to get hurt on where they, you know, got that little step over there, and it's going to step down. And nope, pulls him back. Nope, pulls him back. Nope, smacks him. Nope, you know, smacks him on the leg. Nope. Finally, dad says, okay, I'm going to watch this kid tumble onto that hard floor. It's only one step down, but better this one step than the 18 steps the next time around. And sometimes the hardest thing to do as a, as a dad is just get out of the way and let them learn a lesson. It's called discipline. Discipline doesn't look like a rod always. It doesn't. Discipline is discipleship, making followers of our children. Now, kids, listen up. Whether you realize or not, and whether your parents are like your pastor and been clumsy about it, the real truth is that's been our goal. We may have sometimes acted out in frustration. We may have sometimes said things that we didn't, shouldn't have said and done things we shouldn't have done. But the truth is we love you. And our goal has been to make better followers of Christ out of you. So we're asking you now that you're getting old enough to understand to do just that. Understand that we aren't perfect either. And, you know, sometimes we've made a mess of it, but our goal is to make you a follower of Christ. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please.